Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. I hope something that you hear in this next hour will definitely open you to the infinite field of possibility. And I have a good idea that it will because our show is going to be incredible. Have you ever thought of writing a book as maybe a spiritual practice? Have you ever considered that your self-expression and creativity may very well be the voice of God moving through you? And maybe there is a divinely guided and conceived book or multiple books inside of you that are trying to be born through you. Our guest today says that God always seeks to connect with us and is willing to meet us wherever we are And wherever we're willing to meet God, there He is. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, open your mind, connect with your heart, and settle into your essential self as I introduce our guest. It was a dream that startled at the time for a young publicist with the big league's Pittsburgh Pirates from a deep slumber. What the young Tom Bird would be privy to in the dream, an answer to his prayers, would not only drastically change his life for the better, but significantly alter hundreds of thousands of lives of would-be authors worldwide. After immediately putting into play what he had learned from the dream, Tom went on to sell, at the tender age of 26, his first book to the third largest publisher in the world at the time. But true to his promise... He began sharing the method he was offered, which now bears his name, with as many would-be authors worldwide as possible. Tom has also written 28 books, several of which have become bestsellers. His books have been featured in every major newspaper in the United States, as well as on major radio and television talk shows, such as The Late Show with David Letterman. Over the years, because of the inside-out spiritual nature of the method he shares, he has become known by those who have studied under him as a book whisperer, book shaman, or literary midwife. True to form, Tom's latest book, Write, Write from God, which is already a number one Amazon bestseller, claims that the reason so many of us are drawn to write books is because in penning those books, We are given the opportunity to commune directly with God, who urgently desires to bridge the gap between the human side of us and the divine within us. Doesn't that sound yummy? It is going to be a great conversation. Welcome, Tom. Thank you, Julie. It's a pleasure being here. Oh, well, I'm looking forward to this because, quite frankly, Tom, um, when I read your book cover to cover and it's marked up and highlighted everywhere and actually I used ink in it and I'm, there's no shame in that. Your book is so marked up. I love it. But it's like this beautiful prescription for life, not just writing books. So I can't wait to get into that and, and let our listeners really hear what I'm meaning by that by saying it's a great prescription for life. But first, we have a traditional question here on the Dr. Julie show. So I need to start with that. By asking you, Tom, what does all things connected mean to you? 
The main thing it means to me, Julie, is that we are all uh, derivatives of God, children of God. And whether we're plants, animals, fish, fowl, or human beings, we're all connected because we all come from the same source. Mm. Well, that comes through clear in your book. So thank you for that response. And I don't know if you know what I mean, but I'm sure you do, that your book is a beautiful prescription for life, not just writing a book. But let's start at the beginning. And why don't you just tell our listeners a little bit about how you got here. You you were working for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Things weren't going like you wished, and you said a prayer. So let's talk about that. Well, Julie, I, I'm I'm very blessed because I, I knew what I was meant to do with my life at the age of four. Before I could even read books, I knew that I wanted to write them. And I grew up in a very encouraging family that encouraged me to follow my dreams. <clears throat> and I did. And so I went to college, got a degree as a in English to be a writer, thought that that would qualify me to be the author that I felt that I already was inside. And I got a job as a Pittsburgh with the Pittsburgh Pirates sight unseen out of college because of my writing ability. We won the World Series my first year, and I was a publicist. And uh, But my desire to write, Julie, wouldn't go away. In fact, it would, it would seem to be getting stronger every day. So after my fourth year with the Pirates, um, I was really at a wit's end. Um, I was really good at what I did for them and uh, was on a fast track to become a president of a baseball team by the time I was 35. But I was a fraud because I was not living my purpose. And I felt terrible because I didn't know how to go about being the author I thought I was, already was. And so in a fit of desperation, after trying all every orthodox method I could find to become an author, I finally just had a mini nervous breakdown one evening. I came home from a baseball game late at night, <clears throat> and I just collapsed. I just fell down to, down to my knees, and I started crying, and I was talking to God, and I talked to God all the time, but um, this time more directly than others. And... Uh, I said, I, I know, God, that you want me to do this, and I want to do it too. But frankly, no one down here seems to know how to do it well and do it effectively or efficiently. And I promise you, God, that if um, you show me how to do it, I will spend the rest of my life spending other, showing other people what you taught me so they don't have to suffer like I'm suffering right now. And, you know, it's really my desperation more than my faith that led me to that prayer, and that request, and that... Uh, and two nights later, I woke up in the middle of the night, half in a dream state, half in a waking state, and uh, I got the answer to my prayers. I could see exactly what I needed to do and how life, I could see exactly how life had prepared me to be the author that I already was. And I put it into play, and four weeks later, I sold my first book, tripled my salary, quit my job. And um, it all happened so quickly, Julie, that uh, <clears throat> my progression happened so quickly that I didn't have the opportunity to forget the pledge that I made to God. So I started to teach shortly afterwards. And in teaching shortly afterwards, I discovered so many things about writing and the divine and especially myself. I really found out the reason that I wanted to write was because there were books stuck inside me trying to get out. And to be honest with you, Julie, I, I've never created a book. I've released a book. I've released all my books because they were already seemed to be born on the other side of life. And as a result, they're spiritual by nature. And I found that to be the case with uh, the people that I have had the purpose to work with. They, are, they don't create books. They release books that I believe are already written on the other side of life. And I think these books are divine messages. You know, whether they be 
children's books or romances or how-to books. I think if they're written of the heart, they carry with them the light and the divinity of the Almighty to each one of us to help us remember who we are, whether they make us laugh, make us think, make us change. It's the delivery that matters more than the information that they deliver. And when that delivery connects with us, it's like plugging a light into an outlet and the light finally goes on. I believe that the reason so many Americans want to write books, so many people worldwide want to write books, I should say, is because it's their way of reconnecting with the divine and God's way of connecting with them directly. Because when you write a book using this divine method, which I teach, what I really do is I help people recommune, not channel, recommune directly with the source once they came through through the writing of their books, and their lives change. And my goal is to make this system available for everyone in the world that could um, write a book or wants to write a book, because I believe this is our legacy, our inheritance, not mine. I've just been blessed with the ability to communicate it and communicate it properly. I'm God's spokesperson in this regard. But I believe that uh, it's our divine right to write books, because Mm -hmm. through the writing of a book, it creates a divine union that we all miss and we all long for and we all know exists, but we don't always know where to find it. And through writing of a book that comes, becomes apparent and alive in an author's life. You know, let's just pause there and breathe that in because you just put the entire book into this beautiful synopsis. And I think there's some really important things there for our listeners to to hear and also to expand on. And, and one of the first that you talked about, Tom, was that the books are in us already completed and that we just literally, like a mama giving birth, we're releasing that which has already been created with that divine assistance, with the communion of God that you're talking about. Do you want to help us understand what that means, that the books are already created? Well, I feel the reason, and then first let me first of all state this, that the New York Times supports my theory by through an article and a survey they did about nine years ago in which they claimed 81% of Americans felt as if they had a book stuck inside of them that they they needed to get out, stuck inside them. And that's typically the author I deal with. They feel that they have an inspiration or a book or an idea stuck inside them that they need to address and commune with through the writing of a book. And Aristotle, Julie, said to live a full and complete life, every human being needed to write a book. Because I believe Aristotle understood the spiritual significance of connection that comes with through writing a book. And so, yes, you're absolutely right. When an author writes a book, they're birthing that book. But even more than that, Julie, they're birthing themselves, their divine selves, their complete divine selves. You know, it's been said that a woman, when a woman goes through natural childbirth, she births her natural voice, her, her innate voice, her innate spiritual voice. When a person goes through the writing of a book the natural way, the way that I teach, the way that I was, was, was shared with me, they birth their divine purpose, their divine voice their divine vision, their divine selves. Yeah, and you also talk, Tom, that when we're in this state, so so you teach, and we'll get into the details in a bit here, but you teach how to create 
the environment and the the situation so that you can go into this communion with God and yes. allow this to flow through you. And and you talk about really how healing that is and how it it's it's healing our voice. It's healing so many other things where it really is so much more than just giving this book, just like you expressed. The book is a tangible byproduct of a divine connection. And it's not the words of the book that make the difference in our readers and in ourselves as authors. What makes a difference is how we felt and what we were feeling and where what we were going through when we wrote those words. That Those feelings, those inspirations, those energies, those divine energies remain on the page long, far longer than the words mm-hmm. do. And so it's... And if, if I'd, I'd like to, Julie, if it's okay with you, to, for your listeners to kind of go over some of those steps. So I, I would, in. yes, I would love that because this, just this, the technique that you use of really how do we allow God to stream directly through us on, onto the page and into our life. And it's, it's really healing. I love how, you know, God becomes this co-author. So let's do go through some of those steps. So I'm going to try to go over this really slowly, Julie, so your listeners copy this down. The first thing you want to do is create a divine space, a space that you can go into, a space that you only go into when you want to commune with God. It could be a space in the corner of a room. It can be a room. It can be a place outdoors. It can be the front seat of your car if you feel comfortable there. But create a divine space that when you go into it, the only reason you go into it is to commune with God. Number two, pick a special time by which you will go into this space. Don't just bumble into this space whenever it's convenient. Make a date with God. Make a date with God when you're going to be there and let God know when you're going to be there. The best time to write and connect with God is first thing in the morning because our left brains, that which causes us to be overly human, is not awake at that time. Step number three, relax. That's probably the most misunderstood word in the English language, Julie, is relax. So so many people try to relax or they fight to relax. Relaxing is just calming yourself to the point that you can begin to hear and feel the divine. And what I recommend to you readers, listeners today, Julie, is just go to my website, tombird.com. That's T-O-M-B-I-R-D.com. On that website, you will find a freebie page. And if you click on that freebie page, you'll see that there's a CD called Transitioning Back to the Author You're Meant to Be. You can download that free into your iPhone, your smartphone, your iPad, your computer, whatever you'd like for free. It's made up of two tracks. <clears throat> the first track is a relaxation exercise of six minutes in length, and that's what I recommend you listen to to get into the relaxed state. The second track is subliminal in nature, and it keeps you in that relaxed, connected state. So when we relax, Julie, what we're doing is we're calming the concerns of our intellect, our left brain, our humanly self. We're calming that and actually putting it to sleep. so that we can hear God come through and feel God come through and connect directly with God. 
So that's the third step is to relax. You know, uh, there's so much weight, especially in the new age communities, put on meditation. And you have to meditate this, meditate that. There's a certain way to do it. From my perspective, meditation is nothing more than calming down, opening up your heart and listening through that heart. The CD I recommend puts you in that position to do that directly. Fourth step, clear your mind. Close your eyes through the relaxation drill. Clear your mind. Create a nice blank space for God to fill. Step number five. While being in that state, you can ask God questions. You can commune with God, whatever you'd like to do. <clears throat> Just like you and I are speaking right now, Julie, one can speak with God in that manner as well, too. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I suggest step number five, start by asking a question. Why is it that I want to write God? What is it that I want to write God? How do I handle this situation with my wife, my partner, my daughter, my son, my colleague, my health? And then after you ask that question through the creative, creative blank space in your mind, be really quiet. Breathe out any resistance. Breathe out any resistance through an exhale or two or three or four. Got to make sure you're breathing very deeply because the body, once visited by the inspiration, needs all the assistance possible to keep up with the power and significance and vibrance of that inspiration. So it needs to have clear, straight, clean oxygen at all times. Step number six, make sure that you have a blank piece of paper next to you, hopefully lineless or several pieces of paper and a pen. And when you feel the inspiration coming through, start writing down whatever it is you feel, whatever it is you feel. When you begin writing, number one, A, 6A, write as fast as you can. B, don't read or edit or judge what's coming out. C, always write what you feel. D, Keep your pen moving at all times, or if you choose to use a keyboard, keep your fingers dancing across the keyboard at all times. They will, the, your listeners, Julie, will find that in communing directly with God, there occasionally will be a few glitches in the communication. That's usually because of us as human beings. And if you stop your fingers from dancing across the keys of the keyboard or keep yourself from writing with a pen, if you stop that, the inspiration gets clogged and stops too. So you got to keep your pen moving at all times. Those are the step, six steps, Julie, that I would recommend. Mm. Tom, that, that was really specific and clear. I, I thank you for that. When just as a, there's some detailed questions here. Like, do you do you recommend only the pen and paper or you did mention our fingers on the keyboard. What happens? What's the difference between someone sitting at their computer, not looking at the screen and editing, but keep those fingers moving versus the pen on paper. What I recommend is the pen on paper to begin the experience because it gives you a tactile, tactile con connection that we all pr prefer and need with spirit. But after a few minutes, 15 or 20 minutes, you can easily go to the keyboard 
and maintain the same connection as long as you're writing as fast as you can. You see, divine communication through writing, divine communication through writing comes out very quickly. It comes out very quickly because the spirit doesn't have to carry and lug behind the body, so it moves very fast. It also comes out very fast because the faster you write, the less time you have to think. And so it's very, very important to write very fast. So if you can write faster in longhand, great. If you can write faster with the keyboard, great. Whichever one works for you after the first 15 minutes or so longhand, go with. Great. Good advice. So, Tom, I, I really appreciate the differentiation between using the right brain and left brain. You talk about the right brain being our heart. It's like equal to heart, left brain being equal to mind and, and our ego that wants to get in and analyze and judge and critique. And quite literally, I just, I just shared with someone this morning when I was preparing for the show, how I did the same thing. And so I really get what you're talking about here. And I'd love to hear you talk more about it is I had two books in the works that were, that I was working on had a two book deal with a publisher and I was so in my head feeling like I had to be the authority and the academic and I had to cite things and I had to teach and I had to have everything right. And I, and 14 months ago I had this accident that literally put me in a chair with a full leg cast. And I was so in my right brain that everything was just flowing out of me. I totally trashed the other books. I don't even know where they're at on my computer at this time. You know, I couldn't even tell you what the name of files are and just started pouring through from that right brain. So I'd love to hear you talk more about what that means. How do we get out of that left brain, mind, analytical ego piece and get into this creative juice of the right brain? Well, first of all, Julie, we were all born right brain. <clears throat> and the right brain gives us an unadulterated direct communion and connection with God. But unfortunately, we live in a left brain society. So all of us have had to convert to the needs and guidelines of society to fit, make a living, still be judged sane. So the left brain was initially supported, was initially designed as a support mechanism for the divine inspiration of the right brain, but we've all become left-brained. And the left brain has become our guiding light in through life, and that's not how it was meant to be. Uh, and as a result of that, the left brain leads us down paths that we don't necessarily need to go, just like you were referencing with your books. Books are not details. They are not footnotes. They are inspiration. They are words. They are, ins they are divinely led feelings and energies. So one of the beauties between the left and right brain, though, is the left brain sleeps and the right brain never does, which is why so many of your listeners have awakened in the middle of the night and needed to write in the middle of the night because the left brain is sleeping. So we, to be a successful author, you need the left brain to handle the business issues of life. But you don't want it to get in the way and try to write for you because it doesn't have those capabilities. So initially, with the first book that you use you write using this method, it's very important to calm down and relax the left brain. So when we relax, Julie, what we're doing is we're putting to sleep the left brain, temporarily putting to sleep the left brain so the inspiration can come through the right brain. 
at some point in every writer's career, they become very right-brained. And they become right-brained because they exercise that right-brained muscle so much that it can finally take its full place in their lives by overpowering the left brain. The left brain then goes back to work for the right brain and not vice versa. When that happens, that's when people turn the corner of peace in their life and have the life that they really want. And the left brain, even though it's probably coming off like discounting it as an adversary, it's not. It's just uneducated. It's miseducated. And it needs to be retrained. And you need to give it its place in its life. And initially, when you write a book using the system, its place means turning off that left brain so the right brain can come through, so God can come through. And the left brain only believes in tangibility, Julie. So it does not believe any of us are writers until it sees a book. So we have to prove to it that we're writers by writing a book. And then we have to prove to it that we can be successful authors by writing a book and by making money doing it. And then the left brain finds its place in our lives and supports that which is working. Does all that make sense, Julie? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And see, this is leading into what I see as a prescription for life in, in more of a general form. So I we need to take a break, Tom, and um, I would love to expand this out. And there's so much more that we can talk about about writing this book as well. But I want to remind our listeners that they can find you at TomBird.com. And wow, it is a loaded website. There's so much there for you. Just like you said, there's freebies, but there's so much more there and your schedule's there and more about your books and full of inspiration as well. So again, you can find Tom at TomBird.com. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, more with Right, Right from God. My name is Dale Pazinski. I'm 19 years old, and this is how I live United. I've always been kind of a computer geek, and I found a way to use those skills to help the homeless in my community. For people facing hard times, computer skills and a basic resume are so important. It may seem like a small thing, but it makes a huge difference in people's lives. So with United Way, I created a program where I work with the homeless. Together, we go through their whole job history, write a resume, and then save it on their very own USB drive. We provide workbooks and training certificates. I even budgeted for cupcakes so we can celebrate as a class when one of our people gets a job. That's huge. When somebody says, hey man, that job that you helped me apply for, I got it. That's what Living United feels like to me. My name is Dale Pazinski. I help people achieve financial independence. So I don't just wear the shirt, I live it. Give, advocate, volunteer, live united. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Look for the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. The bare necessities of healthy living are easier than you think. You better believe it. It all starts with the right balance of being active and eating well. You eat ants? You're going to love the way they tickle. And the food pyramid shows you the way. With just the right amount of exercise and the necessary grains, vegetables, fruits, milk, and meats and beans to keep you and your family on a path to good health. Just the bare necessities of life. Just remember, every 
Food Group every day. Crazy. Start by taking small steps. Steps that add up to a happier, healthier life. Try making half your grains whole. Or start adding fruit to breakfast. Me and Baloo, we've got things to do. So eat right. Have a banana. Be active. I'll move. That's it. And have lots of fun. Yeah, man. For your own path to a healthier you, visit MyPyramid.gov. Oh, man. This is really living. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the Ag Council. Sassy! Sassy! This week's episode, Fire at the Shed. Gee, Johnny, this rope swing sure is swell. Don't I know it. Hey, it's Sassy! I think she's trying to tell us something. Mr. Gunderson? What about Mr. Gunderson? A fire? Mr. Gunderson's trapped? Where, Sassy? Where? What, Sassy? Now that you've got our attention, you'd like to take a moment to talk about shelter pets? Shelter pets in general are well-adjusted, healthy, and love being with people? Sassy, we don't have time! Pets often end up in shelters due to owner problems like divorce or allergies? That's great, Sassy, but what about the fire? There is no fire! You're just messing with our heads? Sassy! Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Remember, adopt. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. If you're inspired by our conversation today and want to share it with others, or maybe just listen to it again, please visit our website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find the archive link and also listing of upcoming guests. Also, stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. And once again, we're talking with Tom Bird. You can find him at tombird.com. Tom, I would love to hear you talk about this connection, this communion more. You talk about literally your you're so much more than a book coach or writing coach. That shaman piece comes in. You're a spiritual teacher. But these principles really are so effective for all aspects of life. You talk about loving more deeply, expressing more authentically, and feeling and experiencing more abundantly. And what a beautiful prescription. Here's a quote from your book. It says, real love The divine love that you are experiencing and furthering in your life expects nothing in return. It just is and seeks to be expressed and shared. Real love sets out to find a home in the hearts of others, no matter how hard those hearts may be. What beautiful poetic words, Tom. I really appreciate how you teach anyone. You say anyone can commune with God. Anyone can have this goal of direct oneness with God. Is that really true? Can anyone do this? Yes. You know, it's by connecting directly with God, you're connecting directly with yourself. You know, in my life, um, I was born into a um, highly dysfunctional family. And I was the fifth of five children, the youngest by nine years. By the time I was born, my parents uh, were older, number one. Number two, they were so enamored with the their own conflicts with each other that they didn't really have the time and attention to emotionally support me as a child, which in my much younger years I was resentful for. 
But believing that everything happens for a reason, Julie, I, I really delved into my frustrations a lot more and tried to find out the reasons for maybe why I was neglected as a child. And and really from that, I found the true purpose to my life and the, the true divinity by which I've been led by. You, you see, every child before he or she is born has a direct connection with the Almighty. That direction, that, that connection is transferred through confidence usually to one's parents. So our parents at our early ages become our are gods. My parents really weren't there emotionally for me, so I never transferred that. And I've always had this direct connection with God. And I realize that everyone has it, but some have lost it because they had more functional situations than me. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I I I totally relate with that for a lot of different reasons. And and one of mine's was a very similar childhood with with dysfunction and chaos and adversity. But also I had a near-death experience. And I began having a conversation with God at a very young age. I was only four when I had my near-death experience. So I totally get that. I also didn't have the adults there to transfer. And that's an interesting um, way to look at it that you talk about of that we transfer that parental God relationship to our parents who are nurturing and comforting, keeping us safe. And yeah, I get that totally. Yeah. So, I mean, I was the best gift that my parents could have given me was their dysfunctional distance. And, and so I never lost the chain of connection with God and I didn't realize how lucky and how fortunate I was until I started working with other authors. And I could see where they'd misplaced that connection or transferred it in other directions. And I realized my purpose was to help people to recommune directly back with the gods that they lost connections with so long ago. And, I, you know, there's so many discussions about finding oneself and uh, finding what I want to do with life. Uh, I really think all that needs to be done is to find our connection back to God. Mm. And that's, and if you are, if any of your listeners, Julie, feel in any way, shape or form, like they are meant to write a book or they're being forced to write a book or people keep telling them that they need to write books. Uh, that's God's way of saying, Open this door because I'm waiting on the other side. And there's so much attention given to channeling. This is not channeling, which I teach. It's not channeling. It's connecting. It's commuting directly back with the source. And I don't really feel, Julie, any of us can have the peace we all seek in life and the love we all seek in life to give and share and feel ourselves without reconnecting with our true selves, which is God. And can anyone do it? Yes. And most people, Julie, like you and me, you know, we're led through desperation or disability, in your case, to go back to connect with God. I always had a direct connection with God, but I didn't realize the way that it was trying to manifest by itself through me until I realized that I couldn't succeed on my own as an author. And the pain was so great that it caused a desperation in me to surrender to whatever I needed, even though I couldn't see it. And you, it seems like you had an accident or something, you were laid up. 
That was a way of stopping you from going down the wrong path again and again and again, making you slow down, sit down, shut up, and write. And then that made all the difference in the world. A lot of people go through uh, near-death experiences. Uh, it's all God's way of trying to get back to us and say, hey, man, I'm reaching out my hand. All you got to do is reach up yours and we'll be one again. And I just don't feel we can have the lives that we really want. I know in my case, I could not be the father the son, the brother, the friend, the employer, the employee that I am without having the direct connection with God. And my whole day is based around Julie. My entire day is based around connecting with, making sure I'm connected with God directly and living through that connection my entire life. And it, it affects everything in my life, everything in my life. And it, my life becomes a, a direct collaboration between me and the Almighty, and we decide what's best for me. We're in constant dialogue, and I believe that's available to everyone, and I don't think a life is complete without having that. Yeah, see, there's your larger prescription for life right there. Thank you for expressing that so beautifully. That really, you're talking about this direct connection as the soul path. And and this is how we align with our greater purpose. And really, our lives then become divinity expressing itself through us. Our, our whole life becomes this divine art form that just flows through us. It is, and I think there's two paths in life. There's a path back to God, and there's a path walking with God. There's karma, and there's dharma. And, you know, God wants us to be happy. God wants us to be fruitful. God wants to be loved, us to be loved. But we can't get that at the deepest soul level until we reconnect and recommune with God directly. And, again, I don't know why this is the case, Julie, but writing is a way back to God. And I can sit here and theorize about that the rest of my life. I may be correct or may be incorrect. It doesn't really matter why it is. It's just important to acknowledge that it is. I'm not saying it's the only art form that is. I'm saying it's the one I know the best and seems to be the one most people are attracted to. You know, and it's kind of like you watch the show The Voice, which is so, so popular. And I've watched all nine seasons of it. And you judge the singers the vocalists, by the tone that they are able to achieve that helps us remember the gods we are. That's what makes people popular. They help us remember the gods we are. Hmm. And Ryan does that directly. And, and I, I, I love my life. Every bit of my life, I love it. Um, I have the best life I could ever imagine. But the reason I have that best the life that I do it's because I realize that I'm directly communed with God on a consistent basis, that I'm loved, I'm protected, I'm appreciated, I'm acknowledged every day, of the, every day of the week, every day of the year, every minute of the day. I never forget that because God never lets me forget how wonderful I am. And sometimes I don't feel wonderful, Julian. Sometimes I don't act wonderful. And sometimes I'm a pain in the butt. But God never forgets how wonderful I can be and realizes those little faux pas are just mistakes along the line. Mm, I love that. Well, that leads me to the conversation of resistance. So a, a couple things here. You talk about resistance, that pain is nothing more or nothing less than resistance to growth. But I'm sure you deal with this when you deal with authors. Uh, we haven't said you, you have a weekend retreat 
where you literally write a book in three days. You also have other offerings on how to publish and and the publicity and and all the other aspects of of writing a book. But literally, you you bring people together for three days and you go through this process and they leave with a completed book. And now they have also done their first revisions of the book in those three days. And so a lot of people might go, holy cow, that is incredible. But I'm sure as they come in, there's resistance. There's, you know, there's many things that I, that are going through my mind that would be resistance for, for people. Let's talk about that for a minute, Tom. What, what is this resistance? And I love how you say pain is nothing more, nothing less than resistance to growth. So if you want to fit that in, I would love that. Here it's, it's resistance is nothing more than undeservability. Mm. You know, we, we have been taught throughout life not to stand out because if we stand out, we stand alone at times. And what we're most concerned about is losing the, the affection and consistency and company of those we feel love us. And envy is a very strong, powerful disposition in our world. And usually the person that stands out and who is special chooses to allow his he, himself to be special is the one that receives the largest amount of criticism. For example, um, if we were in a checkout line at a local grocery store, and we were stuck on the line for a little bit of time. If you looked off the left-hand side, you see a number of publications that take worldwide icons of individuals, people who have been very successful, and demean them. That envy is so strong that we it's become a persecution anxiety that most of us feel. And if we stand out, we're braggadocious, we think we're better than others, which is not the case. So life teaches us to be less than we are. And as a result of that, we have resistance to becoming everything that we can be because in one way or another, we've been punished for being special. And um, resistance is nothing more than pain is nothing more than resistance to growth, unfortunately. So the pain that you felt when you had your leg in the cast that caused you, that was a a form of resistance to growth. Um, We have people at our retreats who have start to have migraine headaches. Uh, and I just help them. I just hold their hand and cause them, cause them to relax. The resistance disappears. The pain disappears, and they can write like crazy. We have a, prior to the retreats, we take people on the road of releasing the resistance. So when they get to the retreats, they can write their books. And there is a little bit of resistance still at the retreats, but not much. The group energy of the retreats, and we'll have up to upwards of seventy people in a room, all writing books, all spiritually connected through our methods. And uh, that power and that spiritual weight of all those people doing the same thing at the same time in the right way in the right right time causes that resistance to dissipate in the individual. And when that resistance dissipates, the inspiration comes pouring through at rapid rates. The average writing speed at an author at one of our retreats who's inspirationally guided is 2,500 words per hour. So the average length of American adult book is 35,000 words. And so they finish their books in about 12 to 14 hours. And uh, they don't resist. They just get into the flow. And we've all had days like that, I think, Julie, where things seem to just flow one right after the other. And just we felt stronger at the end of the day, at the end of the day than we did at the beginning of the day because of the quantum expression of the experience. 
And we just do that. We, we, we created a space, a safe space, a loving space, a nurturing space, an educational space for people to step into where they're openly and wonderfully accepted and appreciated and encouraged and loved. And they step into that space, the resistance seems to fall away pretty quickly. Mm. And they automatically go into a spiritual side of themselves and they commune directly with God. And then the books just pour out of them like water out of faucet. And it's a beautiful thing to watch. We just finished um, our third retreat in four weeks. And every retreat is more marvelous than the one before. Uh, we just finished one in Santa Fe. We had 30-some 30, 30 people there. Everyone finished their books by Saturday afternoon, and the retreat began Thursday evening. And then we worked on re- revision before the end of the retreat. So when they went, by the time they went home, they were in a place where uh, they knew what they had to do to complete the revision of the book. Mm. That that really is incredible. And and from my experience working with clients, I imagine even just having everyone in the room with the shared intention and communing with God that the, the energy, the frequencies just have to go through the roof, which naturally would clear out blocks. I, I just think that sounds amazing to be really sharing space, um, the sacred space with so many others. So when there are emotional blocks and there is resistance, what do you do to prepare the authors before they get there? They read a, a copy of a book. I have a best-selling book called it. Uh, right to Heal, W-R-I-T-E, To Heal. It's the smallest but most powerful book I ever wrote. So they go through that, and they go through their author's catharsis. They remove their resistance before the retreat. And then they practice a little. We take it through some practices of here's how it's going to feel at the retreat. Here's what you're going to do. And so they're well rehearsed by the time they get to the retreat. And an amazing thing, Julie, is that I do nothing at all to create social connection between the authors of my tree. I do nothing at all because I don't have to do anything. And they don't have much time to talk or communicate because they're writing all day long. But they bond together because they see, they recognize the God in each other, and they recognize the similarity between themselves and they become one. I mean, I sit back at the end of the retreat and I just watch them talk and chat and hug and kiss and laugh for hours. I just sit back and watch this and watch the beauty that God created through uh, the author's ability to let God come through in their lives. So they recognize each other because they recognize the God in themselves being reflected in the person across the table from them. Mm, That is really a beautiful picture to imagine. And what, what what a gift that you're offering these people to sit down in that space and to be so authentic and so just in that zone. And yeah, wow, what a gift. So Tom, with these retreats, you teach them how to, how to use this method. They write their book. And then what do you also offer support for the publishing aspects? And what does that look like? Well, first of all, I help them reconnect to an innate state that they're familiar with, but they've forgotten existed, if that makes sense. I help reconnect to an innate state that they've forgotten existed. So that's once once we get them into that state, Julie, they take off and they're in their element, they're in their most natural state, and they write their books lickety-split. 
In regards to publication, I feel that every book should have uh, the ability to be seen, be read, and be shared throughout life. So I've created a publishing program, program called Publish Now, where we take the authors through the same spiritual journey that they went through with writing, through publishing, and get their books published in a few weeks and get them on bestseller lists within a few months. Uh, last year alone, in 2014, we had 21 or 24 bestsellers, number one Amazon bestsellers, come out of a retreat. This year, we're going to double that number probably. And these are all people that, just like your listeners, came in and said, you know, I, I've been, for whatever reason, uh, I don't feel worthy, but for whatever reason, I feel like I want to write a book. <clears throat> I've tried it on my own. It hasn't worked. And... I've heard that you perform miracles, and I'd like to see a miracle performed through the writing of my book. And they come in, and they sit down. They have their doubts. They have their concerns. But more than that, they have their desires. They sit down. They listen. They connect. They reestablish that innate connection with God. And a book pours out of them, and they become addicted to it, Julie. They become addicted to being connected directly to God again. Because it's the most natural of all states. And there are such things as positive addictions where you can become positively addicted to something that's good for you. And I don't think there's anything better for us than being communing directly with God. And um, so I don't really worry about them once they leave the retreat because I know that addiction's taken hold and they'll do whatever they need to do to keep writing because it's become a big part of their lives. Just like yoga is for me too. I. I tune my body every day through yoga. I am addicted to yoga. I have not missed a day of yoga in 25 years. And because I just feel so good when I do it, and I don't feel nearly as good when I don't. And so it is possible to become positively addicted to things. And um, writing is one of the things that all of us deserve to be positively addicted to. I really feel, Julie, that every human being should write a book before his or her life passes because there's a soul recognition and enlightenment and expression and a release of purpose through the writing of that book that every human being deserves to experience. And my goal is to make my method so popular, the method that I share so popular that every human being has all the excuses removed and all the empowerment in place to write that book of their lives before they pass. Mm. That's a beautiful goal, Tom, and and it also reminds me when you talk about that um, to really get their book published before they pass is that you also talk about the books having a life of their own, that literally we're giving birth to something that wants to be born, that knows what shelf it's going to be on, that knows um, that it's going to get out to so many different people, that it really does become this spiritual divine entity that that really needs to be born and, and shared with the world. Books are like children, Julie. Uh, they have their own divine purposes. They have their own personalities. We're blessed that they come through us. And they know better what they're doing with their lives when they're loved than we do. We understand what they're doing with their lives. But my daughter, who's just 10, 10 years old, she's the most marvelous young lady. And all I do is just love her and keep her safe and protected and acknowledge her. She's writing her own script for life. And she knows that there's no, no wrong as long as she's always listening to her heart. And, and our books are just like our kids. They want to live. They want to grow. They want to create a voice. They want to create a purpose. They want to make an impact. And so they will write their own scripts. 
and they will write themselves and they'll write their own endings. That's what's so amazing about this experience is we as the authors get all the credit for writing the books, but really, in actuality, the books write themselves. And we get all the credit because the books don't want the credit. They just want the voice. They want the expression. They want to be born. They want to be alive. They want the energy release. But we get all the credit. So we get all the money. We get all the esteem, all that. We get all the acknowledgement. But the truth of the matter is the book is what does it for itself. And all the author has to do is slow down and quiet himself long enough to relax, to hear what the book needs next. And that book will make things out of that author that an author is incapable of making out of himself as a result. So, Julie, when are you going to take one of my retreats? <laughs> I already looked at your schedule, Tom. I thought, oh, how fun would that be? And I also noticed that you do it online. Would you want to tell our listeners about that? Yes. Um, I have an associate that works for me. His name is Rama John Cope. And a number of years ago, he said, you know, Tom, there's only one of you, and to be able to get your word out to the, as many people as you want to get it out to, you've got to create a vehicle that allows you to speak to thousands of people at a time. Because I suggest we do remote versions of the retreats where people can attend these online. And I said, Rama, I appreciate your caring nature, but I don't see how the energy of a live retreat can permeate thousands of miles and touch an author, maybe a few continents away. Rama was adamant about it. He says, you've got to try this. I tried it, and God, son of a gun, it actually works. We've had people, our, our retreats are mainly held in Sedona, Arizona, but we've had people from China, Vietnam, Egypt, France, Germany, England, Ireland, and a few other countries mm-hmm. actually attend the remote retreats where they were. They tuned in live. It was just like they're attending a retreat, but from their living room or bedroom or office where they were attending. And the energy actually permeated all the way out to them wherever they were located. And I was amazed. And that really opened up my eyes even more to the power and significance of God, that you don't have to be in physical presence, just be in presence and through desire. And so actually people can attend my retreats remotely too now. Mm. That's beautiful. Tom, as we're closing this show, I think we could talk um, much, much longer. This is fascinating to me, and and I'm really having a good time here. Um, I love that you say God always wants to connect with us, but in a minute or less, what last piece of, of love from your heart do you want to share with our listeners? If you feel desired, if you feel desired to write a book, feel drawn to write a book, or people keep telling you to write a book, Write that book. There's a way, there's a means. There may be some fears that can be removed, and they will be removed, but you'll be in a safe place. And when you do that, you'll live your biggest purpose of your life, and everything in your life will fall in place. You'll finally have the peace that each each of us deserve. Mm. Thank you for that. And yes, thank you. When it's time to push, it's time to push giving birth. So I really appreciate that message that I I know I feel. And so I'll be looking at your retreats. I just got back from Sedona last week, actually. So I'm going to have to look at your schedule and, and try to make one of those work. But Tom, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and knowledge with all of our friends here today. Thank you, Julie. It's been a real pleasure. Yes. And we're talking with Tom Bird. The book is Right, Right from God. And you can find him at TomBird.com. And of course, you can always connect with me on my website, JulieCroll.com. And thank you for listening today. You know, together, not only are we making this connection that God always wants to connect with us, but we're making 
other connections that dispel this illusion of separation. So thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you right here next time. Bye-bye. 